Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, well, the music cut off quickly uh, in memory of Barry F.C., whose life today was cut off very quickly by the English Football League. Uh, welcome to the show, Fifth Street Soccer. Nick Gieber and Kartik Krishnai with you here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XMFC 211, Dan Patrick Sports. Great to be with you today as we are every weeknight from 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Today we're going to talk about the death of a classic old football club, uh, one of the oldest football grounds uh, in the world, really, from what I understand we're going to talk about the demise of Berry FC from the Football League. We're also going to talk about problems at uh, Bolton Wanderers. If you watched the Premier League just a few years ago, you would have seen them playing there. Another club that potentially is going to suffer the same fate. And Kartik, I think it's only appropriate that while we talk about the problems in the Football League and these great and classic old clubs uh, dying or being pushed off the cliff, we also need to give a little bit of kudos to our domestic league here and talk about some of the reasons that you won't see that sort of situation anymore here in Major League Soccer. We've got a big show, Kartik. Yeah, we do. Uh, just a horrible day in, in football. Uh, Bury, I have I have a personal attachment to Greater Manchester, so Bury and Bolton, as well as uh, Stockport County, who have suffered a similar fate, uh, they haven't gone out of business, but they, they fell out of the football league for the first time in 100 years, a few years ago, and have been relegated five times in the last six seasons or last eight seasons or so. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, my heart just goes out to it, to, to everybody. I actually know someone who's very well connected to Bari uh, here in the States and uh, has, was involved in a lot of the takeover discussions when Dale took over the club earlier in the year. Uh, and Bolton is a whole other story that's uh, been a long time in coming, but just equally bad. Just a, a bad day for football. All right. And, well, we're gonna uh, for those of you. Yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna say. We, well, we're gonna talk about the. You know, we we talk a lot about how great football is. Uh, we're now gonna talk about uh, the dark side of the game. I will also talk about you know clubs like Norwich and Crystal Palace getting bounced out of the uh, League Cup, although that's. Uh, less dire than the situation facing Barry and Bolton Wanderers. All right, that's what's on the table today. That's the topics. Love to hear from you. 800-878-7529. Twitter is at Fifth Street Sports. Nick Ebron, Kartik Krishna. We're going to step aside, take a break. By the way, I'd like to say hello to Kerry, who I know is listening somewhere out there, and also to our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. Well, we're going to step aside, take a break, and be right back with more. All right, welcome back. Fifth Street Soccer, Nick and Kartik with you. Uh, a sad day today as Berry FC, uh, a team, if you don't know much about Berry FC here in the United States, I'm going to tell you, uh, the Shakers have been around for 134 years. They play at Gig Lane, which is one of the oldest uh, grounds in uh, the football, in professional football uh, period. They've been playing at the same location uh, since, I don't know, when did they move to Gig Lane? I know it wasn't 1885. Oh, it has been. It's 1885. No, it yeah. Yes. I mean, this is the oldest, one of the oldest venues in football. Uh, it, it's a club that has had 
its problems over the years. It did manage to win two FA Cups back in the 1900s. It is a club steeped in history. It is a club for the supporters. It is up in the area, if you're here in the United States, where, you know, uh, Bolton and Manchester City and Manchester United and uh, a whole bunch of other clubs are up there. Wigan. Yeah, thank you, Wigan. Uh, And so it, it is a club that... It's truly the people's club. It's not a big name club. It's not a big money club. It's a club that is really there for the the neighborhood, the supporters, some of who go who go back generations and generations. Sadly, due to financial mismanagement, which really started off with the whole uh, TV rights deal with ITV imploding for lower league football in the UK, uh, the club has never really fully recovered from that and finally the last straw happened this week as uh, there was no buyer for the club that was apparently acceptable to the the current owner and so the football league expelled the club Kartik a sad day indeed yeah sad day indeed I, I mentioned I was on talk sport a few weeks ago as Burry was on the brink uh, to talk about this and one of the things I brought up was that uh, Bari had a, a, a community fan base. It was the People's Club. Uh, but then FC United and Manchester formed. And, and I think most people agree with the principles of FC United and Manchester. Although you could say it was a little reactionary towards the Glazer takeover. You, you think? But they moved into Gig Lane. They leased Gig Lane from Bury. But what ended up happening is they ended up outdrawing while they were in like the seventh, eighth, ninth tier of English football. And Bury was in the the third or fourth tier back and forth um they ended up um they ended up outdrawing them and taking a number of their fans quite frankly and most recently last season and i mentioned the outside the show and i have a a, a, a close friend, mutual, uh, you know, who's also a source for me uh, on things uh, that is close to Bari FC and goes over to the United Kingdom regularly uh, for Bari business, uh, who told me you know, basically at the end of last season when he went over that they um, they couldn't afford to, to, pay, to, to pay the team that they had. They got promoted last year from League One, right? And they couldn't afford the club. The club was uh, the club was sold in the middle of the year to Steve Dale, middle of the season. They couldn't afford the wages of the players they had on their books. This is part of the reason why I think the football league didn't, and the other clubs in the football league did not have much leniency uh, toward them. You look at a club like Forest Green Rovers that lost in that playoff final uh, to go up, or the other clubs that could have gotten automatic promotion from League Two to League One. I don't think they have any sympathy for Bury. The fact that Bury were on the brink of uh, financial collapse and yet continued to pay the or they didn't pay the wages for the last two months of the season that was part of the problem but continued to have on the books a squad that was good enough to be promoted from that division so had they downsized and trimmed some of their payroll last year and not been promoted you might have seen more of an effort from other football league clubs to bail them out um one other quick point i want to make uh, nick uh they were given the the old manchester city training ground rent free at uh at, at Carrington, when Manchester City moved to the Etihad campus in 2015, Bury was in financial trouble at the time. Uh, they were given it red free, basically, hey, this is a gift from Manchester City as we move to our new place because you are a local club that's in some financial difficulty. Just maintain the property. And apparently the property is in complete disrepair now. So uh, the club has been mismanaged at all levels. Very, very sad. Yeah, it's very sad. Uh, you know, um... 
Phil Neville went on the record saying how shocked and saddened he was and how terrible it was that this you know, this club within the greater Manchester area is you know being thrown His out. His mother of the, worked for the club, by the, the way. Mother worked for the recently. club. Jill, yeah, she worked for the club. She just yeah. resigned. But you know, this is this yeah. is what I don't understand. That reminds me of this this silly thoughts and prayers. Uh, you know, statement whenever there's a mass shooting, you know, it's like, oh, our thoughts and prayers are with everyone. Well, of course they are. But, you know, how about we do something uh, so that this doesn't keep happening? It's a little like uh, uh, Mr. Neville and his, oh, I'm terribly sad about it. My understanding is they're about £1.6 million short of where they need to be uh, to pay off all their debts, uh, get the CVA in in place. And that's the voluntary bankruptcy, because that's what's happening here. And let me just let me just back up. <clears throat> The club had a bunch of bills that it owed, including a big tax bill that it had to that it had to pay, and a bunch of creditors to whom it owed money. They sat down and negotiated a voluntary repayment plan uh, for twenty five cents on the on the pound uh, with these creditors, and that was approved by the football league. However, who then deducted points because they look at a voluntary bankruptcy as if it's is a bankruptcy. So they took 13 points, I believe, off the team as punishment. But then apparently the club started to make intimations that it was not going to be able to meet even the negotiated discounted payoff to creditors. My understanding, Kartik, the number is about 1.6 million pounds. Now, look, I don't mean to be flip or rude or crass or, or, or pretend that I know much about anybody else's finances. But you would think, um, Mr. Neville, uh, rather than having, you know, deep sympathy and sadness about it, could perhaps write a check and perhaps get a couple of his buddies to write checks that I doubt would make any sort of a dent in their bank account. Yeah, the thing that bothers me about this, and it's bothered me for a little while, as I've known the Barry situation, I've told you about my contact earlier, and, and knowing Jill Neville was the club secretary this whole time, was that uh, Gary and Phil Neville have pumped so much of their own money into Salford City. Uh, and uh, another football club that they took over when it was in the 8th division, they have brought that club all the way into the football league. Uh, they've been promoted three times, four times, whatever, doing the math. And uh, there has been a lot of anger in the conference and in the semi-professional levels in, in uh, England that the class of 92, really fronted by the Neville brothers, they've been the two most involved, although I think Paul Scholes, until he took the Oldham job, that's another greater Manchester club that's struggling, by the way, and then he quit that job, uh, has also been on the front lines. But they pumped a ton of their own money into Salford City, which was a club with no history. Uh, but a club that was readily available for them. That money, it pumped into Bari, uh, a historic club where their mother worked. I think things could have been a lot different. I'm not, I'm not trying to condemn their uh, investment in Salford City the way others have. And, and I, like I said, there's been a lot of complaints around uh, lower league football in, in, in uh, England that the uh, class of 92 has tried to buy their way through, uh, through, through the divisions with that club. And they've, They've had an enormous payroll for the levels they've been at. By the way, David Beckham is also a co-owner of that club, as is uh, Ryan Giggs and Nicky Butts, so those six former Class of 92 players I mentioned. But I just lament the fact that they didn't put the money into Bari. Uh, when their mother worked there, it's a historic club with a historic ground. Um, maybe that would have been better than Salford City. Well, we're going to discuss this a little further, but you know, one of the things that strikes me, it, it was much like... You know, I hear so much about these football clubs being bought for a pound. I mean, famously, what? Ken Bates sold Chelsea for a Ken pound, Bates. right? 
you know, and and then managed to do a similar disaster number at Leeds United. Um, you know, so many. What he did at Leeds was criminal. If you want to, get, we can do a whole show on that. Well, I mean, he sold uh, forward the seat revenue. Right. I mean, he he took he took the yeah. sort of excesses of the late nineties and early aughts and uh, turned them to football. We can talk about that too. But you know, the financial mismanagement has been really noticeable with many teams that seemingly fly below the radar. And uh, I think perhaps that's worthy of discussion when we come back because we do have to go to break. This is Fifth Street Soccer on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Sirius XM 211. I'm Nick Eber. My co-host is Kartik Krishnaya. Uh, there's a lot to talk to. This is, a, this is a very complicated and sad topic, but, you know, it's sport. So let's give it a chin wag, shall we? 800-878-7529, 800-878-PLAY. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you if you have an opinion about Berry FC or find us on Twitter at Fist Street Sports. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Fist Street Soccer, Nick and Kartik with you here. Uh, we are each and every weeknight, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211. Uh, today we're talking about Bury FC, and if you are not that familiar with uh, football in England, uh, they are a venerable old club, been around since 1885 uh, until today. Uh, we're going to continue our discussion about what happened at Bury and discuss how many other clubs are in danger of falling afoul of the same sort of financial mismanagement, 800-878-7529, if you'd like to sound off. We do actually have a caller. Why don't we go to the phones? Armando, welcome to the show. Uh, evening, gentlemen. How are you? Well, not a great day today, quite frankly, Armando, but other than that, okay. <laughs> yep, I've, uh, I've been uh, supporting Barry FC for a few years after the demise of my local team, the uh, Fort Lauderdale Strikers, and uh, you know, I feel like deja vu all over again. You know, uh, it's it's, and I, again, I've only been a supporter for just a few years. There are there are lifelong supporters that stretch back uh, for their lifetimes, their fathers and their grandfathers' lifetimes. That uh, you know, club has just been, you know, ripped away, you know, f- uh, from them, uh, and it's absolutely tragic. Armando, what uh, what brought you? What made you in South Florida become a Berry fan in the Manchester area of uh, of England? Well. Bury, unfortunately, for about the, for as long as I've been around, for as long as I've lived, uh, have been a club that have uh, needed to break out the buckets, if you will, to collect uh, much-needed funds to make ends meet. And it was in one of those pleas back in, say, 2012, uh, where there was a share issue. Uh, there was a share, uh, share issue in the club, and you know, I had a few quid in my pocket. I figured, why not? Let me let me throw some uh, funds th- their way, and uh, and. Uh, Less than a year later, after the uh, tragic passing of a, a childhood friend of mine, I, I did something financially irresponsible, uh, purchased uh, a flight uh, to the U.K. on a credit card, and, uh, uh, you know, I went with absolutely no thinking of what would happen, and uh, I, I, I gained a football family, and that's what I've, what, uh, you know, is, is really has me distraught today. Well, let me just say one thing. It's only financially irresponsible if it's someone else's credit card, okay? Uh, <laughs> well, unfortunately, it was mine. But, oh uh, but, you know, it was probably one of the best decisions I had ever made because uh, it's been a, a roller coaster ride 
for the last six years, and uh, and I, I never thought it would come to this. Yeah, you know, so you know, we we watch the Premier League um, and the La Liga and Serie A and the Champions League, and uh, you know, I've been a lifelong supporter of Liverpool. I grew up in uh, in London, um, but you know, we how easy it is to forget that most football supporters around the UK are fans of teams that don't have a big international. Uh, brand that don't have a massive presence. I mean, my sister has been a diehard Queens Park Rangers supporter for as long as I can remember, and she's older than I am. Although she's probably going to kick me for saying that when I see her, uh, but that means she's probably been a QPR supporter for just about as long as I have lived. Uh, again, n- not a glamorous team, although they have had their run in the Premier League, and uh, you know they have had their cup successes. Uh, but there are many, many teams around the world of professional football, not just in the UK, but globally, uh, that have you know ardent and adamant and diehard support from within their local community. Berry is a terrific example of that. Um, Armando, very quickly, give our listeners a rundown of what led to this crisis. Well, the, the previous chairman, who's kind of gone under the radar as far as criticism is concerned, uh, was a property developer, uh, Stuart Day. Uh, and he took out uh, very high-risk loans from a, a, a peer lending website and company that is now under uh, investigation by the U.K. authorities. So these, these highly volatile, uh, high-interest loans were taken out so that he could fund his property development business. He, in turn, put a mortgage on Gig Lane, uh, the stadium at one point, I think it's uh, 138% interest annually. And it just it just uh, snowballed from then on. Uh, there was a scheme to sell uh, car uh, spaces at a at a car uh, at a car park for ten thousand pounds each for each uh, and nine percent, and they were promising nine percent returns of, of interest. Uh, and it just snowballed from there. And because the former chairman didn't really have a background in football, he was offering players you know at least two uh, wages of. You know, five, six, even eight thousand pounds a week, which is just absolutely unheard of uh, for that for that for that level of football. And unfortunately, uh, with 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 debts mounting and with the investigators circling around, he uh, offered the club for a pound to the current chair, uh, chairman, uh, uh, Steve Dale, a man with a history of liquidating companies. I believe he's liquidated forty-five of fifty-one companies in the UK, uh, an asset grabber, an asset stripper, if there ever was one. And uh, here we are, expo- uh, exp- uh, expelled from the Football League. Armando, I wanted to ask you if you think some of the reason why other clubs in the Football League were not willing to step up was because of that spending and that wage bill in League Two, particularly last season when, when the club was promoted. If that was a big part of uh, the Football League's reluctance, because we're going to talk about Bolton in a few minutes, and I'm going to say there's been a double standard. I think Bolton has gotten so many stays of execution and so many, so much favorable treatment from the Football League over the course of the last uh, five to seven years since they were relegated from the Premier League. Uh, they're still in business, barely, uh, but it doesn't seem like the same uh, same sort of uh, leverage was given to or the same sort of deference was given to, to Bury. Yeah, you know, I think the Football League is... To give you know the, the the listeners on this side of the Atlantic an idea, the EFL is very similar to the NCAA, an organization grand in posture but very little in teeth. And at the top of the EFL is the championship, and those clubs lose millions of pounds every year 
but they are always one year or one season away from the promised land of the Premier League and a £150 million payoff. That doesn't happen in League One or in League Two. And so uh, clubs and chairmen can underwrite and loan money to clubs at 0% interest, but once those chairmen walk away or they don't have the funds to pay anymore, it's the fans that are left in the lurch. And the fans are kept in the dark. They don't know the financial comings and goings of, of their you know, beloved clubs. And Burry is gone today, and I've, I fear for Gig Lane. You, both of you gentlemen had a very, uh, 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 very well-spoken uh, thoughts about Gig Lane and its history. Uh, you know, the rumor is that it's going to be converted into affordable housing or to a supermarket, uh, that the council likes the land and its proximity to Manchester, uh, that that ground can be ra- uh, uh, raised and, and uh, made way for, for something else. Well, uh, you know, I have to say, I am very, very partial to these old grounds. Um, you know, the ghosts of football past haunt these old grounds. Uh, you, you, we were talking about a, a ground in your neck of the woods. I mean, Lockhart Stadium is one of my favorite old stadiums in the United States. It's a piece of junk stadium, but it is, you know, and of course it's all overgrown. I guess going to be torn down and rebuilt courtesy of David Beckham. <laughs> yeah, but, it has been but torn you know. Down. But to watch a match there on the old on the old seating with the wood uh, that's holding you up, sort of buckling underneath, and the, the the atmosphere and the ghosts that haunt it, it's fabulous. Now I, I know Gig Lane was has been uh, re- redeveloped uh, a couple of times in the nineties, uh, but I mean that's quite an asset. It's an eleven thousand, twelve thousand seat stadium since it went all seater that's just sitting there in the Greater Manchester area, but but of more value torn down for affordable housing, I guess, right? That, yeah, that, that is correct. And, and really, and, and Gig Lane, you know, the, the gates were, you know, 4,000, maybe 6,000 fans at best. One of the three stands would, at, on most match days was closed off because there really was no need for it. There wasn't that much of a demand. But I was, I was there last season at the last match, and there was just an absolutely eerie feeling around the ground that this could be it, that we could be witnessing history. Uh, and sadly, it was, you know. And, uh, you know, I brought, I brought my young son over thinking that this would be a great father-son trip, you know, for, for years to come. And, uh, you know, that's, it's been stripped away. It's been taken away from us now. Well, interestingly enough, I mean, if the ground isn't sold and distributed, I mean, the team can still play, obviously. They just can't play in the football league. I mean, it's a bit like it was with Rangers when they were, you know, when they had their problems and were deducted six and a half million points from Scottish football and had to start, uh, you know, in the, with the under-13s at the Clydesdale Academy playing them. Uh, but they they worked their way back up to the uh, Scottish Premier League. Uh, I'm just wondering. I mean, is that is that the plan, or, or or is this or is this truly it? For many, from from my friends uh, over uh, in the area, it, this is it. This is it. They don't want to support a Phoenix club. They don't want to recreate history. Now, again, the emotions are still very raw. You know, tomorrow morning they may you know pick themselves up by the bootstraps and decide. You know, we, we, we can rebuild, we can be better. Uh, but just as Cardick alluded to at the beginning, you know, FC United Manchester, a great idea, but they're about five or six years in, and uh, they're having problems of their own. And, uh, you know, and uh, so it, it's not always the ideals are there, but uh, in practice sometimes uh, they can be lacking. Well, uh, Armando, first of all, I want to thank you for calling in how unusual and rare it is uh, on a show in the United States, albeit a national broadcast, that we would find uh, a Bury FC supporter somewhere in South Florida, no doubt Kartik's neighbor, 
<laughs> but, uh, but I do thank you for calling in, and we will be following this story. And when we come back after the break, we're actually going to talk a little bit about Bolton Wanderers, another club in dire financial trouble. Uh, and I'm going to ask the question of, uh, of you, Kartik. Uh, you know, is in many respects, this is the byproduct of the success of the Premier League. Uh, let's talk about that when we come back. Armando, thank you yeah. so much. Great chatting with you. Thank you for your time. I hope things work out, and, and, and there is hopefully a miracle in the works somewhere for Barry FC. Thanks All right, you listen. Cheers. You're listening to Fifth Street Soccer. Nick Ebron, Kartik, Krishna with you here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM211. Find us on Twitter at Fifth Street Sports. You can find us on Facebook or at facebook.com forward slash Fifth Street Sports Talk. And if you're listening on one of our digital platforms, whether it's iHeartRadio, TuneIn, uh, the award-winning SiriusXM app, or the Believe Podcast Network, well, we welcome you to the show. We're going to step aside, take a break, and we'll be right back with more. Don't go anywhere. When Stanley drink water. All right, welcome back to Street Soccer. Nick and Kartik with you. We are discussing um, the dark side of the beautiful game. Uh, we've been talking about the uh, demise of Bury FC from a club that's been around uh, the Greater Manchester area for since 1885. Uh, Gig Lane, one of the venerable old stadiums of Europe, uh, has now found the club has now found itself expelled from the Football League and likely not going to reemerge from the ashes. There's another venerable old football club, Bolton Wanderers, Kartik, that is facing a similar fate, albeit I think the financial bones in that club are more attractive for a buyer and probably there's less cancer within the finances of that club than there were at Bury. Uh, no, I actually would disagree. Oh, okay. I think they're probably right. the I most cancerous corrected. club out there. Yeah. No, at least in my opinion. I mean, they, they, they were fortunate in that they've had a number of their debts um, written off by their former owner who passed. But uh, this has been going on since about the 2009-2010 season under uh, the, the Phil Gard side was the uh, president of the club at the time. They were beginning to accumulate a lot of debt while they were still in the Premier League. And at the time, it felt like, okay, they're accumulating this debt and they're hedging, but as long as they stay in the league, they'll be fine. Uh, then they got relegated, and they got relegated in very controversial fashion. There was a, uh, a goal disallowed against Stoke on the final day of the season in, in 2012. That would have kept them up. Uh, had we had VAR, they probably would have stayed up. But they got relegated, and then they were no longer able to hedge against uh, those those debts. They ran into extreme financial trouble uh, to the point where they were almost wound up in 2015 uh, and now have just passed from owner to owner uh, last year at the end of the season. Not last year, it's this year. But at the end of last season, uh, they had uh, uh, the gentleman whose name escapes me, Italian gentleman who had owned Watford and had done such a terrible job. Bassini, I think his name was, before the Pozos took over that club. Uh, the Pozo family have done a remarkable job with that club, as I think we talked about previously when we talked about Watford. Um, uh, made an offer to buy the club, showed no, showed no finances. There were players who hadn't been paid in two months, no real financial details. Players, vendors, staff that hadn't been paid in, in, in months. 
the Football League indulged um, uh, this gentleman, Bassini, uh, and eventually uh, the, uh, Ken Anderson, who was the chairman of, of, of Bolton at the time, uh, said, well, there's nothing here. We, we're, we're breaking off negotiations. Bolton was unable to fulfill their final fixture of last season. Um, and so they forfeited that match against Brentford. I think the final score was quarter three nil. It didn't matter. Brentford wasn't going to get promoted. Bolton had already been relegated. Now this season, Bolton has played a couple matches in league one. Bari did not play a match, right? Every match for Bari in league one was postponed. Bolton has fielded an under what is essentially an under 18 team. Uh, and there have been player safety issues because they're fielding a youth team in a fully professional league. They've been beaten, I think, every match, 4-0, 5-0. One of the matches was postponed because then the f- football league uh, questioned you know, the player welfare, uh, uh, the, the welfare of the players if you keep trotting out these kids. And they're on the brink now because um, they've had to – they had their training ground that they built in the, in the late 90s along the sa- around the same time as um, – the Reebok was built, the stadium, which I think everybody remembers from the Premier League. That training ground has already been sold to Wigan, who, of course, were also a Premier League club that got relegated around the same time as, as Bolton, their neighbor, also in Greater Manchester. Wigan, however, does not have any of these financial problems. They never overspent the way Bolton did when they were in the Prem. Uh, they won an FA Cup, as everyone remembers. Now they're a pretty well-run football league club. And uh, they now own Bolton's training ground. Their rival club owns their training ground. The stadium and the hotel, which were part of the development in the late 90s, Nick, are very lucrative, uh, like Gig Lane, like Armando mentioned for Gig Lane, very lucrative for developers close to Manchester. Um, Perhaps they could turn the Reebok into Highbury 2.0, right? Um, So I think that they're in a really bad place. As Armando mentioned, because this is a club that spent uh, a lot of time in the Premier League, actually they are the club that has spent the most years in English football without winning a title uh, in the top flight of English football. So they've spent something like 70 years in the top flight, including like 15 years in the Premier League. And Sam Allardyce had them qualifying for Europe uh, just a decade ago. Uh, there's been more of a will in the Football League to give them uh, every opportunity, which is what they did with this Bassani situation last year and allow them many stays of execution because they're just a bigger club than Bari or a better-known club. Well, it certainly had a higher profile. Uh, and, you know, I was mentioning yeah. before the break, uh, as, we were, as we were exiting the last segment, I said, you know, in many respects, the Premier League and the success of the Premier League and of the sort of Super Leagues in Europe and the, and the Champions League is to blame for a lot of this. Uh, and by yeah. that, I mean a large number of supporters, and, and no disrespect to fans of Bury or Bolton Wanderers or anybody else, they tend to grab it. There are a large number of supporters that will not support their club, a club that they might have you know, 30, 40 years ago, um, and seen it through. They will go to gravitate towards their local Premier League club uh, because of all of the because of the show, because of the spectacle, we talk about this. I mean, it was what makes the Premier League the most exciting league in the world. But but that has really eaten into the support of a lot of these local clubs. They're left with a core of hardcore supporters, uh, local supporters. But unfortunately, it sucked the economics out of the lower leagues of football. The Premier yeah, League has I mean, sucked last... the economics okay. out of lower league football. And so unless there's a large and virulent supporters base that is prepared to support their team 
come hell or high water. And, you know, you talked a little bit about with Barry uh, the situation with FC United and Manchester that came in that poached, you know, uh, some of their supporters. Uh, We were talking to uh, Armando who said, you know, they had for, I guess, four stands at uh, at gigs like Gig Lane, but only three were ever filled. I mean, in, in the old days, all four of those stands would have been filled, whether they were in the, uh, the the fourth division of football or in the first division of football. And by the way, Berry FC, my understanding, the only team ever to score a 1,000 goals in each tier of professional football in England. Uh, but I think it's the Premier League that has really um, made it so much more difficult for local locally supported clubs to survive if they are financially mishandled in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, so also this year, we should have mentioned in England, the oldest professional club in the world, in, in, in technically, and the club that had stayed in the professional professional ranks the longest on the planet, fell out of the professional rank, ranks in Notts County, uh, being relegated uh, from League Two at the end of last season in May, and falling to the conference for the first time in their history, one of the original football clubs. In fact, Juventus wears the shirts they do, the kits yeah. they do, because they borrowed Knotts County's kits when they started. Uh, although, you know, you could even argue that Bari got promoted from that same division, overpaying players that they couldn't afford. So um, perhaps Knotts County was better to be, you know, it's better to get relegated and, and live within your means in this era. Yeah, this is absolutely true. Nick, what you're saying, it's the success of the Premier League, which has pinched a lot of these uh, smaller clubs, smaller local neighborhood-like clubs, because Bury, Bolton, Stockport County, who I mentioned earlier in, in, in the show, uh, they're all in the vicinity of Manchester. You know, Notts County is in the vicinity of – is in Nottingham, right? Not, not right. Nottingham Forest is a big club in that town. Uh, Port Vale is another one that comes to mind. Stoke has been successful. But at the same time, I have to mention the Premier League era, we have some clubs that have never traditionally been top-flight clubs that have had some, you know, some years of, 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 of success in the past, like Watford under Graham Taylor, Crystal Palace in the late 80s, become perennial Premier League clubs because yeah. they're in the right geographic location, being in London or near London. Watford and Crystal Palace are the two clubs that come to mind. Those are not traditional top-flight clubs, if you know English football. QPR, you mentioned your sister supports them. They've spent more time in the top flight uh, of English football in the Premier League era than they ever did before because they're a London club. So it, it, right. it, it's actually helping I mean, smaller clubs also. How many Premier League clubs do you think Manchester could, Greater Manchester area could really support? I mean, that's you know a, a, another part of the equation. Uh, but if I might say, just to sort of digress for a brief moment, um, I will hand this to Queens Park Rangers and Loftus Road, their ground. Uh, has the narrowest seats I've ever sat in in my life. And, you know, if you look at the capacity of that stadium, I think they've increased the capacity when they when they were in the Premier League to meet the Premier League requirements by shaving about yeah. six, in- six inches off the width of each seat. I mean, I don't have a particularly small bottom, but I don't have an enormously massive one either, although I'm, I'm not a small man. Uh, but I will tell you, I-, I could barely stick my ass on those seats uh, and I was afraid to get up to get a beer, uh, you know, at the half because uh, I was worried I'd take the seat with me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but to the point about QPR, QPR, Palace, Watford, uh, we even saw you know, Charlton now has had some financial problems. Lee Boyer's done a wonderful right. job with that team the last two seasons, but they've had financial problems. Um, but a lot of smaller London area clubs 
have been able to take advantage of the interest, global interest in the Premier League. Watford now sells itself as a London club. You and I both know that's not London. They're, correct. they're within the orbital, right? They're in, within yeah. the M25, but they're not London. But they've been able to take advantage of it. So it hasn't been – the Premier League hasn't been bad for all small clubs. I just think there's been a focus toward London uh, because – you know, let's face it, people from around the world want to live in London. So it's easy to sell clubs in London. Yeah. It's easy to get uh, investors. It's easier to, to bring foreign, easier to bring foreign players to live in London. West Ham also. I think West Ham now hey, is having a good run of success recently. We've just got a few minutes left. You know, I want to actually take this discussion and just move it across the Atlantic for a minute. You know, I think that's one of the things that I see, you know, with Major League Soccer that both on the one hand bothers me a lot and on the other hand it's the one benefit i think of a single entity system you know it's unlikely we're going to see clubs uh, imploding although we have seen three implode chivas usa and your two florida clubs earlier on in its in its lifespan but you know the interesting thing is i i think that mls and the amount of money that they're putting into it is going to essentially suck the life out of any other clubs. You know, it's now an anomaly that you see a USL club that's putting in twenty thousand. You know, because uh, certainly beyond their own their own their own lo- locale, because MLS just you know doesn't give them any financial viability. Nick, uh, the fail rate for lower division clubs is much higher in the United States than any other place in the world because of the close league system and because MLS sucks all the financial Correct, yeah. incentive out of it. And some controls all the contracts for media. So where there is money coming down the pyramid in Germany, split equitably, equitably between all the professional clubs for uh, revenues generated by the DFL and the DFB, in the U.S. it stays in this Soccer United marketing uh, lockbox for private use by the MLS owners. So uh, while Bari and Bolton are tragic stories and we wish we didn't see any of these sorts of collapses or Parma like we saw in Italy a few years ago and they've, they've now come back uh, and they're back in Serie A. But, you know, these sorts of collapses, yeah, the they Rochester far Rhinos more aren't too far in the United States than anywhere else. Yeah, the uh, Rochester uh, Rhinos aren't too far behind, right? Uh, yeah. Former USL yeah. champions. These things yeah. happen constantly. Rochester Rhinos are one of the most historic clubs in this country and um, they have now not played for two seasons and they're not going to play again in my opinion. You think they're done for good, huh? I think they're done for good. All right. Well, it's been a sad discussion today, but, you know, one I think you have to have. And, uh, you know, all I can say is this. If you support your local football club, uh, yeah, you can support uh, a Premier League team for sure. But don't let that stop you getting out to support your club, which is what I want to say to supporters of Major League Soccer or USL or any of the other leagues here. You know what? Don't worry about what we say. If you support your club, go out and support them. Buy the kit. Buy the tickets. Get some concessions. Uh, you know, it's going to do nothing but help them stay around. And whether or not you feel that support is reciprocal or not, well, that's a different matter. All right. History Soccer, we're going to take a break and be right back. Well, we can come back with Kartik's theme song. Uh, welcome back to the show, Nick and Kartik, with you. <laughs> um, 
Wow, kind of a sad show, Kartik, but you know it, it is a cautionary tale, and you know I, I like because we we talk a lot about football in in England uh, and and in Europe, and of course we're here in the United States. Thank you for yawning. I'm glad I entertain you that much, Kartik. Um, <laughs> you know, I think it's important to to try to relate the lessons and and, and the discussions, uh, whether it's the good stuff of football or the bad stuff here in the United States, and and we are seeing this sort of. Um, mass extinction of lower-level clubs here in the United States, and that's helped along uh, very uh, gleefully, I might add, by uh, Major League Soccer. Kartik, final thought. Yeah, Major League Soccer has contributed to the massive fail rate of of lower-division clubs in the U.S. So while we lament the loss of Bari, a historic club, uh, and Gig Lane as a football league ground, the one of the oldest soccer-specific stadiums, if you want to call it that, football-specific stadiums on the planet, uh, we realize that these are more outliers in Europe, whereas it's a norm in the United States. Uh, it is. And uh, as, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, if you support an MLS team, go out and support them. I mean, don't, don't let Kartik or myself or, or my you know, jaded opinion of Major League Soccer in any way stop you from loving your club and supporting it. Uh, just the same if you like a, a USL team or a, a, a NISA team or, or any other sort of lower-level club here. They are your club. You support them. You give them your time, your money, your energy, your passion, because at the end of the day, sport is all about passion. Well, look, we certainly hope you enjoy this show as much as well and want to send us as much of your money, I'm um, sorry, uh, support as possible. Uh, money wouldn't be bad either. Just kidding. But look, uh, join us Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We talk about the hard topics in the beautiful game right here on the show. Uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow uh, to talk more about, you know, the global game and the good, the bad, and the ugly. Until then, from my, for my co-host Kartik and myself, have a great night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.